On this episode of Blue 58, losing a game you're supposed to lose still doesn't feel good. The Packers proved that this weekend. Why did it happen? Let's dive in. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to episode 119 of Blue 58. I am your very disappointed host, John Mirdink. How can you be disappointed in a game that you were probably supposed to lose anyway, but hung around long enough to start talking yourself into and then losing? Well, pretty much because of that. What a disappointing outcome. It is only now about 40 minutes after the game ended, and boy, (laughs) it was right there. What happened? Uh, The Packers hung with them. They were right there with the the Rams. They made it close. They played more or less to win, uh, but the Rams countered everything the Packers tried to do on defense except on two late drives, and then there were those two plays. You know the ones. So let's dive right in. Why did this happen? Why are we sitting here talking about a disappointing loss instead of an upset win? Well, here's what we said in the preview. A direct quote. For the Packers to win, they'll have to play a complete high-level game on both sides of the ball, something they've not shown themselves to be capable of doing through almost two months of regular season football. The Rams may not be unstoppable, but they are at least consistent. And the Washington Redskins and Detroit Lions both showed that you can beat the Packers through consistent, steady effort and avoiding mistakes. Well, it wasn't the blowout I predicted, but it played more or less to script there. The Packers had to play perfect to compete on offense and on defense and, as it turns out, on special teams. And to the extent that they were perfect today, or yesterday, if you're listening to this on Monday, on Sunday, if you're listening to it at some indetermined point in the future, uh, to the extent that they were perfect, they competed. They were right there in the game. But when they weren't perfect, the Rams took advantage. And that's what a good team does to a worse team. And that's what we saw play out, I think. The Packers had to be perfect. Uh, This week I appeared on the show Rams Talk or Talk Rams. I get their social media uh, channels mixed up or names mixed up because they have it reversed in their username and and, uh, their tag or whatever you call it. I said that this was a let it come to you type game, that if the Rams just stayed there stayed close to the Packers and stayed ready for the mistakes to come, they would be able to take advantage. And that's that's what happened. The Packers were there. They did a lot of good things during the game, but they made some big mistakes and the Rams are there to take advantage. Let's talk about some of those good things real quick and how the Rams were able to counter. The Packers' defense was pretty solid in this one. I mean, holding the, the Rams to as few points as they did is a big win. That's as good as you can really ask for from this defense, I think. I mean, nobody has really slowed down the Rams' offense to date this season. The Packers did a pretty good job of that. How did they do it? Well, they went with some of those defensive back-heavy packages like they did against the Vikings, and they were able to get pressure on Jared Goff. And when the Packers' defense was playing well in the first half, it was largely because they were pressuring Goff, especially on third downs. But eventually, the Rams came up with a very simple counter to that, Uh, They avoided those third down pressures by just getting to the line really quickly on third downs and snapping it quickly. That way you don't have time to set up some of those more longer developing blitzes. And it worked. They were able to work their way down the field, avoiding the pressure that way. The Packers did come up with some creative pressure, though. Unfortunately, since they don't have a lot of 
push from their pass rush up front, at least on the edge. Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels were terrific today. To get that pressure, the Packers had to blitz like crazy. And Mike Pettin is very good at blitzing creatively. But to blitz, that means you're going to end up playing a lot of man coverage elsewhere. And eventually, especially late in the first half and early in the second half, the Rams just started running a lot of man beaters. It's a jargony, silly football term. Essentially, it just means that you're putting your receivers in a position where all they have to do is run away from the opposing defensive back. You don't try to get upfield so much as across the field. And they really attacked Tremont Williams and Jermaine Whitehead by doing that. They ran a lot of crossing routes and were able to get open and pick up a lot of effective yards doing that. The Packers chained things up a little bit late, especially on the Rams' last two drives. Uh, The 10th drive of the game for the Rams, they had a third and seven with a chance to really put some distance between themselves and the Packers. But instead of blitzing heavily on third and long, as they'd been doing pretty much all game to that point, the Packers only rushed four. They dropped seven into coverage, and Goff, you could see it immediately from his body language, he didn't know what to do with the ball. He was completely befuddled by the fact that they had dropped into coverage instead of bringing heavy pressure. They wrong-footed him, and he eventually ended up throwing an incomplete pass or getting sacked. I don't remember the exact outcome of the play, but the, the strategic decision the Packers made there put the Rams in a bad spot. And they were able to do that more than I thought they, were, they would be able to throughout the game or throughout this week. It just wasn't enough because of two key plays. Let's talk about those two key plays. You know the ones. Here's the sequence. The Rams punt. It gets down by Sam Shields, of all people, inside the Packers' one-yard line. The Packers run right at Aaron Donald and uh, and Dominican Sue. It's a safety. The Rams take the ball on the safety punt, and they score. All the momentum, to the extent that you can believe in something like that, is on the Rams' side. And until the very end, the, the script was pretty much set from there. The Packers really never were able to get the kind of, it never really felt like they have their feet quite under them again, except for the lead where they, or the drive where they took the lead late. They just never really seemed to be on top of it quite the same way. So a couple questions there. Why run at all? And for, and then why run with Aaron Jones? It seems like they could have gone with virtually any other play call than the one they ended up going with. Because it looked like Brian Bulaga had to block about three guys on his, his side of the line. I don't know why that was the play call. It looked like the sort of thing you could see coming from a million miles away. And if you're going to run with Aaron Jones, why try to run right up the middle? And if you're determined to run, why use Aaron Jones in that particular situation? If there is one spot where you might want to go with Jamal Williams over Aaron Jones, this seems like it might be it. This is the one time. But no. Had to go with the with Aaron Jones for reasons that we'll never probably get a satisfactory explanation to, and it, it ended up being a game changing moment. Not so much as much a game changing moment as that Ty Montgomery decision late. You know what happened? The Rams take the lead. The Packers have will have about two minutes left. Aaron Rodgers is has been heating up throughout the second half. And if he's in this position, well, he's done it a bunch of times this year so far. You're betting on him to do it again. We're going to continue the Mason Crosby redemption tour. He's going to go down and kick another game-winning field goal. Everybody's going to feel great. Big upset. 
go to New England with all kinds of momentum. But no, Ty Montgomery brings the ball out and then fumbles the ball. Why bring it out? No idea. And there's really no defense for it, especially given what Mike McCarthy said after the game. The direct quote was the plan was to stay in the end zone. Uh, And then quoting here from a tweet by Zach Cruz, quote, I think Ty was trying to make a play, end quote. Well, he did make a play. He made a play for the Rams. Why not protect the ball a little bit better there? I don't know. Uh, It seems like a really just grade school football thing to say, oh, you got to cover it up in situations like that. But really, you got to think a little bit better first. You shouldn't even be putting yourself in a situation where that sort of choice or that sort of outcome is possible. This reminds me in a lot of ways of the sequence that got Jeremy Ross cut a few years ago. It's quite a long time ago now. don't even want to think about how long ago that was, but made a couple bad decisions and had a couple just execution issues on punt and kickoff returns, and that ended up getting him cut. So we asked our, our new flock of Twitter followers, if it was up to you right now, would you cut Ty Montgomery? We have as of this recording, and this number will keep going up because there's quite a long time left on the poll, but I just wanted to get a, a quick sort of sense of what people are thinking. We have 358 votes, 60% say yes, they would cut Ty Montgomery. 40% say no. You could have probably deduced that yourself, but I just spelled it right out there for you. <sighs> so I don't know what you do with those results. Um, if you have listened to this show for any amount of time, you probably can peg me pretty fairly on the conservative side of things in terms of personnel decisions. I don't always buy that we're going to send a message and uh, we're knee-jerk caveman football and I'm angry at you, so I'm going to cut you. If you cut Ty Montgomery, he's going to have a new job within a week. He'll, He'll be picked up by somebody. He's an effective player if you use him correctly. And I think the Packers have made pretty good use of him so far this season. But let's do pros and cons. Uh, the pros and cons to cutting Montgomery. Since most people seem to be in favor of cutting Montgomery, let's do the cons first. First and foremost, that's a big game-altering mistake. It took the Packers out of a game they had a chance to win. Uh, It's very high school sports talk radio nonsense to say, well, you can't let one play ruin the game for you. That is nonsense. That is utter nonsense. One game or one single play frequently changes the course of entire games. That happens all the time. So this this is a huge mistake by Montgomery, a mistake that for all for what we know right now, sounds like he was going against what the coaches told him to do, at least the the established game plan. You could also argue that Montgomery doesn't add overly much to offense, through the offense. He does hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities, and he hasn't just blown up when he's been given opportunities. And to that extent, he's probably fairly replaceable given how the Packers have operated their offense so far. I mean, he can do some nice things in the passing game, sure. He can run fairly well, but not like world-changingly well. So maybe there is a, a case to be made that he's not that big a contributor on offense. But on the other side... There is a case to be made that he actually does quite a bit for the offense. Coming into this game, he had four explosive plays as we've been tracking them so far this season through six games. That's top five on the team. Also, probably their second most effective running back on the roster right now, 53 or practice squad. 
Uh, he's better than Jamal Williams running the ball, and he's better in the receiving game than Williams or Aaron Jones. Jones doesn't bring you what Montgomery does as a receiver. He's easily their best receiving back. It, I think if, it, if there is a discussion about cutting Ty Montgomery, it comes down to that sending a message idea versus what he's really giving you on offense. I would caution you against getting caught up in the idea that he doesn't contribute that much on the offense because I think he's their second most important running back behind Aaron Jones. But I'm not convinced fully by just that level of production that he wouldn't be a guy or that he'd be a guy that you would really miss. Let's talk about some random observations. I don't want to dwell on the Montgomery thing anymore because it just makes me sad. Uh, J.K. Scott, legitimately bad today. Probably his worst game so far pretty easily. Averaged 42.8 yards per punt on five kicks. But he had that late, really bad kick that just gifted the Rams essentially three points. Uh, I forget exactly what the line of scrimmage for the play was, but by the end of the punt... The Rams were taking over at the Packers' 40-yard line. You're in field goal range already, essentially. Bad, bad day for J.K. Scott. Um, Sean McVay is an annoying person to look at. I have nothing to add to that point. Uh, Either you're going to understand and agree with what I'm saying or you're going to wonder what in the world I'm talking about, but he is annoying to look at. Uh, The Packers' eighth drive, something odd happened. They're relatively deep in Rams territory, moving the ball pretty well, had big plays to Devontae Adams, Andronimo Allison, and Equinemius St. Brown all on the same drive. They come to a third and two after Aaron Rodgers has to throw the ball away on second and two. Rodgers is trying to address some stuff before the snap, and they end up with an unblocked rusher, essentially, or the one-on-one rusher working against Lane Taylor. Corey Lindsley ends up blocking nobody on the play. Just a weird, weird play. And it knocked the Packers into, well, I guess into a situation where they had to kick a field goal. They potentially could have gone for it on fourth and two. Um, but it just killed all their momentum on that drive. Just a terrible, terrible time for a mix-up like that. And that sort of thing seems to happen a lot, um, more often than you'd really like to see. Um, throughout the course of this game, I think the refs really let both sides play uh, in the secondary. A lot of grabbing, a lot of pushing, kind of refreshing in a way. Usually you're used to seeing a lot of flags get thrown on stuff like that. Still some weird holding calls there. The Robert Saffold or Roger Saffold, Saffold, the offensive line lineman for the, the Rams, had a late hold that seemed pretty similar to some other calls that hadn't gotten flagged throughout the game. Then Kenny Clark got called for holding. Probably the right call, but still weird considering the other stuff they'd let go throughout the game. Just just strange. Um, speaking of the secondary, Jair Alexander was phenomenal. Fun to watch. Just a blast to see him out there in the secondary. And having him around really seems to have invigorated Kevin King. He had a pretty solid game too, though he got caught up in a couple of those man-beater situations, which was not great to see uh, considering the athletic profile that he has. But, you know, really pretty solid game for the Packers. Uh, in the secondary, except maybe for Tremont Williams and Jermaine Whitehead. want to focus on Tremont Williams. Uh, it's pretty obvious that he has lost his step. Um, he should probably be taking snaps behind Josh Jackson, and it's really kind of a mystery why he isn't. It was disappointing to see him get beat and beat consistently. Um, probably more of a, man, uh, a zone corner at this point than a man-to-man corner. Uh, James Jones showed up on the sidelines before the game. Uh, pretty cool to see him there. One of my favorite recent Packers uh, just a, a fun guy uh, wearing a neat, shiny two-pack shirt. 
I have no feelings on Tupac at all, but it was a neat shirt. Um, I can't even pretend to have a take on that. I have zero, zero rap takes at all. And you don't even want to make me pretend. Uh, we'll conclude by talking about uniforms. Um, it was cool to see the Rams in their throwback alternates. Pretty, pretty good stuff. Uh, would love to see them wearing those full time. We're never going to get that because why just use a good thing all the time? Who knows? This is the NFL. Nothing good can last. Nothing good can last for like two weeks in a row. Bummer. I feel like we're ending this on a bit of a downer. I guess that kind of fits with the, with how the game went. Hope you had a good weekend. I had a pretty good weekend, all things considered. This was a bit of a downer for an end. So let's uh, let's call it a night. What happens next for the Packers? Well, they're off to New England uh, next weekend. First time they've played in New England since 2010. Primetime game, just time, like the last time they were in Foxborough. This should be a good one. Uh, if the Packers play like they did this week, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, it will be up late again to record a podcast for you to have uh, in your phone or listening device or whatever Monday morning, and I'm excited to do it. I hope you are excited as well. I, th- I hope that even with the way this game ended, you had fun watching it and uh, dissecting it with me because that's, again, what this is all about. Even if it does really stink to lose and lose this way, I... I just want to impress on you that this is supposed to be fun. We're supposed to be having fun. I'm having fun even if it's a bummer to lose this way, and, and I hope you are too. I hope you can have fun discussing discussing the games with me. It, it, is, a, it is a bummer. Can't No two ways about it, but I, I think we still can find ways to enjoy it, and I hope we can, we can do that together and continue to do that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you on Wednesday for more stuff about the Packers. Hey, trade deadline stuff coming up. Who knows? It could be a wild week. Uh, we'll try to delay as much as we can Tuesday. Maybe we'll go a day late. Who knows? Um, see if, see what's happening trade-wise. It could be a wild week in Green Bay. Hope so. Let's uh, let's hope for some, some interesting stuff. If not, um, speculation's always fun too. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Blue 58, hit, hit.